0: Blog Talk Radio The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world Broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world BlakeRadio.com Music for your mind, body, and soul Radio at its best. This is Dr. Jennifer Daniels, and you are listening to Healing with Dr. Daniels on the Blake Radio Network. It is 6.12 p.m. on August 18, 2015. So why is it 6.12 p.m.? It's 6.12 p.m. because even though I have three backup systems here in Panama, uh, three out of three failed, and I had to retry several of them. So here we are, and I'm absolutely thrilled Uh, that I was able to overcome these limitations and uh, talk with you tonight. So, what is tonight's topic? Tonight, I'm going to take a look at death through the lens of Claude McKay. Now, Claude McKay is a famous poet, and a poem he wrote for which he's famous, is if we must die. <laughs> Many of you know I'm, I'm African American and, and grew up in the uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And so during that era, uh, a lot of Black parents wanted to impress upon their children the importance of having courage and, and facing life's adversity, you know, and uh, just hanging in there. And so, of course, uh, we uh, read If We Must Die by Claude McKay, actually on several occasions and I believe we even had to memorize it. Now uh, this was a home assignment home assigned by my parents of course. So we're going to read this poem which as you might guess is really a rather gripping poem but then we're going to back off a bit we're going to say okay let's take a reasoned approach to this and after all uh, Claude McKay uh, did die at the very young age of 59 years. So, this philosophy, while it has its place, I think its application should be adjusted. All right, so here is the poem If we must die, let it not be like hogs hunted and penned in an inglorious spot, while round us bark the mad and hungry dogs, making their mock at our accursed lot. If we must die, oh, let us nobly die so that our precious blood may not be shed in vain, then even the monsters we defy shall be constrained to honor us, though dead. O kinsmen, we must meet the common foe. Though far outnumbered, let us show us brave, and for their thousand blows, deal one death blow. What though before us lies the open grave? Like men, we'll face the murderous cowardly pack. Crash to the wall, dying but fighting back. So that's what Claude McKay says. In other words, rush headlong into a hail of bullets. Now, as you can see, or well, as you may know, I am 58 years old, and I do not tend to die next year. So, but I do think there is a lesson here. In other words, you don't have to just sit around and wait to be hunted and live in constant fear of death. You can actually, I think, pick and choose. So there are many ways to die, and if you listen to your doctor, if you read the ICD-9 or the ICD-10, this is a very thick book listing all different diagnoses, you probably think there are thousands of ways to die. Well, I'm here to tell you, not so. There's really only about five ways to die. And in the United States, this is a very important thing to, uh, to understand. So what are these five ways to die? One way is something called natural causes. Now when I was a kid, um, I went to a school, and so I was being indoctrinated into the uh, medical ease way of thinking. So I was being indoctrinated to think that you had to split pairs as to whether a person had a heart attack or a stroke or whatever. And so I asked my mother, what did uncle so-and-so die of? And they look at me and say died of natural causes. Natural causes? How unsatisfying. Natural causes. But here's the deal. Natural causes really is a way to die. And if you die of natural causes in the United States and you're a select group, we'll talk about that, you can actually live to be 89 years old. 89 years old, natural causes. You die by uh, authorized doctor killings Uh, more or less, probably 76 years of age, the number's probably lower than that. But we're gonna take 76 as a uh, expected life expectancy if you die by authorized Dr. Killings. If you die by um, homicide, this is a rough way to go. If you die by homicide, uh, more or less 30 years of age. So this is unauthorized killing. It means this is, you die by somebody who's not been previously licensed by the state to kill you. So that age is 30 years of age of homicide. Then there's suicide. Suicide is where you die at your own hands, deliberately so. So you decide you want to kill yourself. You want to end it all. Uh, suicide is, to so the general population, 34 years of age. For diabetics, and this will become very important later, 64 years of age. Now, another way to die, of course, is accidents. If you die of an accident, more or less, you can expect to die somewhere around age 44 years of age. So clearly, the winner here is natural causes. But you don't get to die of natural causes at age 88, obviously, unless you avoid the others. So let's talk about how to avoid the others. The absolute uh, highest risk, youngest death rate is suicide, uh, I'm sorry, it's homicide. So homicide is the one that you got to get by first. And so the average homicide victim, uh, I should say average, median age, so half are older, half are younger, is 30 years of age. That's pretty shocking. So 30 years of age, that's uh, what people who have uh, homicide issues die of. So in other words, if you can get past age 30, you're really doing pretty good in terms of avoiding the homicide uh, cause of death or, as I would say, dodging the bullet. All right, so let's take a look at these people who die of homicide. Who are they and how do they get killed? Okay, so murder victims so I said, half of them are below age 30, and half of them are above age 30. How do they die? Well, um, more than half of them die uh, firearms, so handguns, rifles, shotguns. So that's that's a big uh, cause of homicide. But knives are a respectable second place. So knives are cutting instruments. Um, that's Big there, and blunt objects. Um, we'll say the candle holder, candlestick holder, like in the murder mysteries, and then personal weapons, um, which is a large number of those. Um, and other is a pretty big category. So the total number of killings or uh, murders, if you're going to die. Um, by this uh, particular source is actually not that big. It's 13,000 people in 2009, which is the latest year for which we have comprehensive um, numbers. Now, I just wanna talk about also, what are the circumstances? Circumstances are very important because if you're going to avoid an event, then you've gotta avoid the circumstances. Okay. So first circumstance is felonious. Uh, murder, a felonious assault, I guess you'd say. The number one cause here is robbery, followed by burglary. I think robbery and burglary are close enough, we can just put them in the same category. And then theft, and all these things we can put in the same category. So, the easiest way to prevent a, uh, a robbery is to lock your doors. This is very simple, I think. Lock your doors, keep things secured. And your personal uh, safety. Again, this is all, these, these apply though burglary where this one is invading your home. So lock the doors. I have found that that's actually pretty effective. So that's a biggie. You've just eliminated 2,000 of the 13,000. What else? Another big cause is um, suspected felony. Well, let's—I uh, guess—suspected felony or argument over money or property. So arguments, brawls, um, basically is your next big category. So don't argue with people. Someone argues with you, shrug your shoulders and say, "Hey, you know what? You might be right. I think you got a good point there. That's probably the case. Could be." So those are some some life-saving responses for those of you under the age of 30. Uh, 30 years is only, only the level at which half of all homicide deaths occur. All right, so you want to practice being agreeable and walk those doors. That seems to be the, the uh, saving grace here. And what about game land uh, killings? 177 deaths a year. This is not big, even if you look at the 13,756. If you want to toss in juvenile, gang killings. I guess that's different from gang Gangland killings. But you can still only get up to 18, I'm sorry, 800 deaths a year. So not even 10% of the homicide deaths are associated with gangs of any kind. You wouldn't know that from the media. So joining a gang doesn't seem to be uh, here, there, either way. Doesn't seem to be a, a huge uh, issue. So those are the big biggies as far as, um, not dying is don't argue, lock your doors, and um, apparently these people who commit these burglaries and who settle these arguments uh, are armed. So there's two ways to look at that. Either don't associate with people who have guns or get one yourself. So that's a philosophical approach there. So I think with homicides, it's, it's pretty easy to avoid homicides. Your, your, your biggie, your big, big, big one is arguments. Arguments just don't argue. And the other biggie is uh, is burglary and they say felonies, but they don't really go into detail as to what that is, but it's just arguments. All right, so homicide. I think we covered that one. Really simple, uh, really easy. Let me just see if there's any other circumstances these death. Nope, just uh, yeah, knives and guns seem to be seem to be the top of the list here. Um, otherwise, you're pretty safe. So, that's it for homicides. Hope that everyone can easily avoid that one. So, our next biggest one is suicide. Now it's important to realize that suicide is huge and the median age, I mean, half of all, if you're gonna die of suicide, half of all these deaths occur under, at or under 34 years of age. This is if you are not diabetic. So put a big star next to that. So 34 years of age, and there's certain things you need to know about suicide. Um, men are four times more likely to commit suicide than women. This appears to be because they use guns so firearms are the most commonly used method of suicide among males. So half of them use that. Poisoning is the most common method of suicide among women. Poisoning, by the way, taking a pill and waiting to die is extremely ineffective for many reasons. But it's it's ineffective. Um, so this is why women have a less less success at suicide. So how do you uh, How do you avoid uh, suicide? Well, you avoid suicide, I think all of us have these occasional thoughts of just, it's, it's over, you know, no point in going on. You just have to make a promise to yourself that you're just not gonna do it. When I was seven years old, my parents piled all the other kids in the car and drove off to someplace fun, I think they went shopping, and left me at home. They left me at home, I think, because I was sleeping. Well, I woke up before they got back, and I was very, very upset. I said, I know. I'll kill myself. That's what I'll do. I said, wait, 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 wait. Stop, stop, stop. Not so fast. Not so fast. So I decided that I would get back at them by not killing myself, but by living a very long life and leaving home. So what I finally decided was that no matter what happened in my life, I was not going to die at my own hand. I would have to die some other way. Somebody would literally have to uh, take care of that piece for me that I was not going to lift a finger to kill myself. I think making a promise to yourself like that helps. Um, The other thing to take a look at in terms of uh, suicide is the uh, circumstances of suicide. Many people uh, who attempt suicide are on drugs, or they use drugs, however you want to um, put that. So let's take a look at these um, suicidal uh, deaths. You know, who are these people that run around killing themselves? Well, first of all, um, people, who commit suicide, generally there's some alcohol involved. Alcohol, um, antidepressants, and this is important, sometimes uh, illegal drugs as well. So generally there's drugs in the mix there. So simply making a promise to yourself that you're not going to use the number one One big drug is antidepressants, so promise yourself you're not gonna take any of those. The next thing to uh, promise yourself you're not gonna take apparently is narcotics. So people overdose or commit suicide under the influence of narcotics. The other drug is alcohol. So those are the three biggies. And if you can um, avoid ingestion of any of those, then that goes a long way toward uh, not having, uh, not becoming a victim of suicide. Now I mentioned that there's a special case, a special suicide case, and that special suicide case is diabetics. Yes, diabetics. So half of all diabetics who die of suicide, die at or below the age of 64. What is the importance of age 64? Age 64 is the year before you're eligible to collect something called Medicare and uh, Medicare and um, Social Security, both of which are government benefits. What else is the significance of this? Diabetics who commit suicide commit suicide as a result of ingesting their diabetic medications. And there is a fair amount of disagreement, I do mean a fair amount of disagreement, among medical experts as to whether or not these so-called suicides are either overdoses, they're accidental overdoses in people who are following Dr. drug orders, or whether these are deliberately people trying to kill themselves. I can offer a little bit of insight here. Um, As a medical doctor, having practiced for 10 years, my medical practice, diabetics, even the ones who gave themselves insulin, were definitely not suicidally inclined. No suicide attempts there. Uh, If if anything, they were more than happy to uh, be a burden to their families and anyone uh, around them who would step into those shoes. So here is what the uh, medical docs, this is a a medical study, death due to unnatural causes is more common in diabetes. This is June 2nd, 2014. So unnatural deaths are more common among people with diabetes, at least in Sweden. I think it's just, this is fairly transferable to the United States, actually, because I, I found uh, it certainly to be the case. And so the discussion is, among the cases of poisoning by unspecified drugs and medications in the diabetes group, 30% were poisonings with insulin or oral hypoglycemic drugs. And I can tell you, as a practicing doctor and as a uh, someone who trained at a tertiary care teaching hospital. we would have people who came in who would overdose on their um, insulin or their pills and we would pump them full of I call it syrup um, sugar water in their veins and a lot times we could not save them we could not get that blood sugar up. And in many cases these were people well in every case excuse me, these were people who had absolutely no death wish. They had taken what they thought was the dose as prescribed by their doctor, and here they were in the hospital uh, dying. Okay, so what they're saying is fatal poisonings in the diabetes group, almost one in 10, 10%, were identified as being due to overdose with glucose-lowering medication, the authors report. The authors interpret their findings to suggest that the great majority of deadly insulin overdoses are suicides as opposed to accidents. A finding, they say, is consistent with a retrospective outcome study that showed that 90% of insulin overdoses reported for regional poison control units were of suicidal intent. Now, this is what they say. Again, my observation is that you have conscientious people attempting to exercise something called tight control and control their blood sugars, and they end up passing out. Ambulance comes. Usually they're revived, but sometimes or not. However, Dr. McGowan is not so certain. She pointed out that inadvertent insulin overdose may be unrecognized. She says, we, not infrequently, that means frequently, we frequently get calls from patients who mix up their insulin pens or even vials and mistakenly take short-acting insulin rather than long-acting insulin. Sometimes they recognize the problem, but I suppose that sometimes they don't. And if they don't, it can be a really big problem. And so, if you talk to doctors who actually treat diabetics, I think every doctor who treats diabetics will tell you of a case where a diabetic took a dose of insulin that turned out to be excessive, ended up passing out, and was, uh, the ambulance had to come to revise them. And this is actually why they tell diabetics now to keep candy in their pockets or a special um, syrup packet that they can sport in their mouth when they feel their blood sugar going low and it gives them time to get help. It does not solve the problem, it just gives them time to get help because the insulin continues to act and lower the blood sugar. So what we have is a a situation where this research article explains the logistics Around how these uh, diabetic uh, suicides, if you want to call them that, take place. And then in the United States, the fact that these so called suicides take place mysteriously one year before people are eligible to collect Social Security and Medicare. Pretty Pretty honest. One could draw quite a few conclusions from that. But one, you know, it's really unfortunate that uh, not more is done to educate diabetics to the real danger that they're in from their medications. So I'll just do a little commercial on that now. If you're diabetic and your hemoglobin A1c is less than eight, then your medications are shortening your life. So there you have it. There is a commercial. Obviously, people want uh, help. The needle habit, they can uh, go to vitalitycouncils.com and click on the Discover Session tab. I can't help everybody. I'm only one person, Only waste so many hours in a day, but um, check it out and uh, we can see if you might be a person that I could help. All right, so this is a huge, big deal. So we have diabetics literally, uh, mysteriously committing suicide one year before they're eligible for the big free lunch with, uh, the government. All right, so there is the suicide piece. So homicide, you got by that by locking your doors and not arguing. Suicide, if you're a diabetic, whoa, back up. You let that hemoglobin A1C hang out around eight or more, and you live a lot longer. Uh, turns out, and this is by the Medical Industrial Complex of Health, if you have your hemoglobin A1C below eight and you're taking medications to get it below eight, then you're increasing your, your risk of death by 30%. And this is also borne out by observation that, um, first of all, these are classified as suicides and diabetics are three times more likely to die of suicide than non-diabetics of the same age. You can sort that out. So if you're not diabetic, um, you know, if you're a gu- if you're a guy, you may want to uh, put off owning a firearm. If you're a lady, you may want to swear off drugs. Just don't take any prescription drugs. Don't even put them in the house. Say, you know what? I'm not going to take that. Uh, I'm not going to take that chance. Okay. All right, so we've gotten rid of suicide, gotten rid of homicide. The next uh, biggest cause of death is authorized Dr. Killings. I say authorized because one, doctors are licensed. This is licensed. Licensed means you have um, special um, dispensation by the government to uh, commit certain acts. Oh excuse me, I'm sorry. I have to do accident. It's accidents or next. Accident. So if you die by accident, the average death is more or less forty four years of age. And usually the method of death is a car accident. That's the biggest, uh, thirty seven thousand. That's a lot of people. So really more than twice as many people will die in car accidents than of uh homicides. And total accidents altogether is well over hundred thousand. So, so it's a big, big cause of death accidents. Okay, so again we're taking the Claude and the K approach here that if we must die, I mean why die of an accident? So now if you read the statistics, they mentioned car accidents. Half of all people who die in car accidents are not wearing seatbelts, but half are. So it's not clear that uh, wearing seatbelts alone is enough to protect you. So let's dig a little deeper. Um, the other issue with um, accidents is that accidents are generally associated with drug use. The drug most frequently associated with accidents is. Um, It's alcohol. So the best way to avoid that is to not drink alcohol. That's the simplest and easiest solution, I think. Some people talk about things like um, designated drivers, or what I like is just drink at home. But the problem with that is the alcohol also feeds into suicides and homicides. So then you know this doesn't uh, doesn't really doesn't really do it. So what else causes these deaths? So drinking alcohol causes these deaths. Um, exceeding the speed limit causes these uh, accidental deaths. So alcohol ingestion exceeding the speed limit, and the alcohol ingestion goes for really all accidents, not just um, car accidents. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, you shouldn't take up hang gliding, you shouldn't take up um, skydiving, all these dangerous sports. I would just like to just mention that these uh, supposedly dangerous sports, has an incredible array of protective gear, gizmos, and technology that actually make them not nearly as dangerous as uh, they used to be. I happen to be married to not only a hang glider, but a hang glider instructor uh, who's done a lot of other uh, hazardous things throughout his life. But uh, it turns out that caution takes care of a of, uh, a lot of accidents. And so, caution, no alcohol, skip the other drugs as well, and pretty much do really well avoiding um, accidental death. Now what about the next step? The next piece, the next step, um, biggest cause of death, I think, is doctor-authorized killing. And so we, can, we know these killings are authorized uh, for many reasons. One, they're never prosecuted. <laughs> that's, that's one sign of authorization right there. So they're never prosecuted as such, as killings, or as murders, rather. Um, the other way we know that they're authorized is that people who commit these killings are exclusively licensed. So we're talking about a licensed medical doctor, a licensed practical nurse, a licensed registered nurse, a licensed nurse's aide, so all of these individuals who uh, are engaged in these killings that happen at the hands of the medical industrial complex, these killings are um, are all licensed. They all have special permission from the government. So how do you, well, first of all, what's the average age of death? So if you um, decide that you want to die by doctor-authorized killings, then your average age of death is going to be more or less age 76. Obviously less, a lot less for some people, and uh, probably actually not much more for others, but 76. Also, this figure of 76 is a bit blurred because it was not possible to tease out everyone who doesn't go to doctors. And so the number is a bit inflated by um, the fact that some people, many people are included, who uh, may not go to doctors. And that drags the number up as we will soon see. So, doctor authorized killing. How does this happen? Well, person feels not so well. And what do they do? They call to make an appointment or even worse, they show up in the emergency room. In the emergency room, they receive medical intervention. As a result of medical intervention, they feel lousy and they go back to get more intervention which again makes them feel lousy, and the cycle repeats, 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 and ultimately they die from the medical intervention. This is if you're in the hospital. If you're not in the hospital, the sequence is even more distressing because you decide that you need to see a doctor, you make an appointment, you go see the doctor, you pay for the appointment, you get a prescription, you then go to the pharmacy, get the prescription filled, go home, and you take the prescription. You take the prescription, you feel, oh, lousy. You go back to the doctor and now writes another prescription, usually to be taken with the first prescription. And again, you repeat the cycle, go from the doctor's office to the pharmacy, you get your drug, you go home, you take the drug, and you feel even worse. And then what do you do? You go back to the doctor, who, if he's a good doctor, will likely write another prescription. The cycle begins, and eventually you die of the prescriptions, not of the infliction. For which you first consulted the doctor. So, this is the cycle of uh, authorized doctor killings. And this cycle usually, I would say not usually, but half of the people die at or before the age of 76, and the other half die over the age of 76. Now, many people feel, well, you know, Dr. Daniels, I think that's better than homicide, suicide, or accident. And, you know, it might be. However, the other thing that we're seeing is the number of Americans dying by homicide, suicide, and accident is increasing at a very fast clip. And so what's happening, if, we, if the diabetics are any indication, is the doctors who get to sign the death certificate and write the cause of death are listing are hiding their deaths are hiding their work in the homicide, suicide, and accident categories. And homicide is really interesting because we know that um, antidepressants and certain other drugs, namely narcotics, actually increase a person's chances of committing homicide. So there's a there's a lot being uh, hidden there, and the actual average age of doctor-assisted uh, killing, I should say, unsolicited doctor-assisted doctor killing, uh, the age. The median age of survival may not actually be 76. But now some people are more ambitious than that, more ambitious, and they want to live longer than 76. And what do they die of? Natural causes. Natural causes. How do we know that a person dying of natural causes, half will die more or less around the age of 88 and half will die more or less before age 88. So 88 is the median age of death for people who died of natural causes. Well, thank God for discrimination. (laughs) Thank God for the Hispanic paradox. Yes, I've spoken about this before. So the United States Census keeps track of people by their uh, ethnic background and their age. So it turns out that if you are Hispanic and you live in the United States, you can expect to live to the age of regular age of 89 if you're a female Hispanic in Pennsylvania. If you are a male Hispanic in Indiana, you can expect to live to be 85. So what does this tell us? This tells us that this life expectancy is not genetic. Why? Because men and women don't have substantially different genes. They have one level of chromosome that's different, but the rest are the same. Um, What else tells us that we know also is not genetic? We also know it's not geographic. Why? Because the women in Pennsylvania live longer and the men in Indiana live longer. The last time I checked, Indiana and Pennsylvania were pretty far apart, pretty far apart, yes. So, there's something about being Hispanic that uh, creates longevity. So, how do Hispanics differ from the rest of the, United, of the Americans? You can't say, well, the Hispanics are, well, culturally different, because Hispanics are not a culturally homogenous group. Some are from Cuba, some are from Puerto Rico, some are from Mexico, some are from Central America, some are from South America, and some are from Spain. So these Spanish-speaking people are from all over the world, but somehow when they get to the United States, they live a very long time. So what is it about these Hispanics that we know is substantial different from other Americans. We know that as a group they do not have access to health care. They don't. Because of the language barrier and because of the cultural barrier, they don't have access. In other words, because of the language barrier, they often can't communicate well enough to get an appointment. Then you have the cultural barrier, which is once they even get to the doctor, the doctor can't communicate well enough to them as to what exactly they should do. Even more is the insurance barrier they don't have insurance. And then the next thing is the income barrier. Hispanics, as an income group, are less affluent than other uh, Americans. So their, their income level is low. Another thing we know about Hispanics is their education level is low. What does this mean? Does this mean less intelligent? Absolutely not it does mean that, they did, that they're they not getting the same propaganda that everyone else is getting. So in other words, because their educational level is so low, it's be, they stop or they end their educational process before they get to the part about everybody needs health insurance. And so because of the language barrier, they don't get the, again, the indoctrination general propaganda. So for their trouble, the Hispanics lived to be 89. Now, these Hispanics who live this long are Hispanics that are not born in the United States. So, once a Hispanic is born in the United States, and they have the, the uh, help of bilingual classes and all other kinds of assistance, and they become culturally American, so that you know, there's a language barrier. Is, is not there, the cultural barrier is not there, maybe they're, they're earning more money than their parents who brought them to the states, their life expectancy falls uh, closer to the, that 76 figure. Very, very interesting. So we know it's not genetic because children of these Hispanics do not experience the same benefit. We also know it's not really cultural because these children, these Hispanic children, who are born here in the United States are, you know, genetically, they're Hispanic and their parents raise them however their parents want to raise them, which is the way they raise their Hispanic children, according to their values, whatever that might be. But what they do have, unlike their parents, is they have access to medical care and they don't have the language barrier they have all the propaganda and all the indoctrination associated around the expectancy that health care is actually healthy and that somebody cares. So, natural causes is the way you want to go. How do you get there? Take a page out of the Hispanic book, which is no health insurance, no encounters with the health care system, and less health care. That's the way they do it. Now, Hispanics, just by the way, They are more obese than other Americans. Any health practice you wanna talk about, uh, any health measure, exercise, obesity, whatever, they have more of it. Yes, they live longer and in better condition than Americans who are less obese, have more money, have more access to healthcare. So if you're wealthy, should you throw away your wealth? No, just don't spend it on healthcare. It's very simple. Very, very simple. Well, if people have questions, we can move to questions. But that is the way to exercise the best of Claude McKay. So you don't have to wait to die. Or let someone else pick how you're going to die. You can pick how you're going to die. You can pick natural causes. And live to a ripe old age of 88 or 89. If you're 89, that would be Pennsylvania, if you're female. And if you're male, why you can easily get to 85 over in Indiana. So, there you have it. Not genetic, not geographic. I'm going to mosey on over to the chat room because I have uh, not been to the chat room tonight. Say a little hello. <laughs> Okay, so let's see. I'm looking here in the chat room to see if we have any questions. Okay. Okay, so someone in the chat room says, make sure you want to move to Cuba. But every Hispanic, not just Cubans, every Hispanic experiences this benefit. So it's not it's not a Cuba issue. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I think a site. Many more people get seriously injured or killed due to accidental deployment. Okay. All right. So, interesting this person mentions that more people get seriously injured or killed due to accidental deployment of airbags and the shards coming out of the airbags than actually have been saved by airbags and cars. And this is very interesting. It, again, it gets down to the whole idea of how do you count these deaths? And who gets to say what a person died? But I wouldn't say, I would also say that someone in an accident, if you're in a car, again, you're more likely to have the accident, which caused the airbag to deploy, which of course the airbag killed you, um, if you're drinking and if you're exceeding the speed limit. So bottom line is, avoid alcohol, and uh, stay under the speed limit. (laughs) Okay. All right, so let's take a look over here at the Blog Talk Studio. Okay, so we don't have any questions here. We have five minutes left in the show. All right. So the whole point of this is you really can take how you die, and um, the medical industrial complex is responsible for the death of 40% of Americans. So 40% of Americans die at the hands of a medical industrial complex. And when you apply this to people who are in whose deaths are classified as uh, cancer, which would be a natural cause or classified as heart disease, which would be a natural cause, you realize that the true incidence of heart disease, the true incidence of cancer, is um, far less in terms of death than the therapies of the medical industrial complex. And it's just like going to a casino to gamble. You have to figure out your, your chances. You know, your chances of, if you go into a casino, then what you went for was to walk out with more money. In the medical-industrial complex, what you're looking for is to, is to go home with more health. And so if you look at the casino picture, your chances of going home with more money are pretty slim, slender to, to none, actually. Not none, but slim, It's pretty slender. Whereas if you engage the medical-industrial complex, your chances of getting out of your interaction or your relationship with more health is, is pretty low. So, the 40% chance you will actually die at the hands of the medical industrial complex. Of those who don't die, 60%, pretty much there's a 100% harm rate. Well, what's harm? Harm is think reversible harm, such as medication side effects. Another type of harm is irreversible harm, such as being permanently disabled, for example. So, you have to be very meticulous in your thinking and in your approach as to what is it you wanna get out of the situation. If what you're looking for is health, then um, the medical industrial complex is not the way to go. And engaging the medical industrial complex can literally shorten your life by anywhere from uh, 12 to 13 years. So that's a lot of life shortening. These are 13 years without a nursing home 13 years where you walk, you talk, and you get more time to do the things that you think are important in life. And if you're diabetic, being killed off just before you (laughs) become eligible for Social Security and uh, Medicare, you know, that's a bit, uh, well, it's kind of transparent that the median age for suicide among diabetics happens to be a year before they become eligible for government benefits. So. Let me take a lower check over to the chat room. I'm working on two. Th- I don't have one computer that can do the whole job. OK there you go. All right, so that is it. we got some surprise topics coming up in the future, and we will see you next week. <laughs>